Wow, that was amazing. That was amazing. I honestly can't believe what I was just brought into. That was so incredibly beautiful, exquisite. That was holy elegance. Oh, my word. It's kind of hard to shift out of that. Um, as much as I love to teach the Bible, that was so... There's a whole lot of Jesus in there. Thank you. That was, I was very, very ministered to by all of you and by our musicians and that piece of music that Leith composed. It's just beautiful. Father, we just received the beauty. Lord, when we actually encounter beauty, we realize how desperately hungry we are for it, how much we need the beauty of your holiness, as the Bible puts it. Lord, there's nothing more beautiful than your face. There's no greater glory than the face of Jesus Christ. What the Bible says is the perfect image of the Father. Lord, we thank you for the way in which your face was seen first by your mother Mary, by those that came to that crash, that place in Bethlehem. We think that your face was seen by Jews and Gentiles, by those who would follow you and by those that would walk away from you. We think that your face was seen as you hung upon the cross, as you gave up your spirit. We thank you that your face was seen on that resurrection morning. And that even as you ascended into heaven, so your face was seen as you went to be at the right hand of the Father to call us to wait as we are right now upon the gift of the Holy Spirit. So would you, Lord, yet again, in the Bible, the word of God written, would you yet again reveal your face to us tonight? Would you have mercy on us who, well, we can't always imagine your face. We, we don't always believe that your face is toward us or for us or even looking with joy in your eyes at us. So even now, O oh Lord, would you just bring revelation of the face of love. The face of him who knows. Perhaps the Lord would minister something to you now even before we start looking at the Bible together. Maybe he would minister a a word to you. Literally, it might be a word. It might be a scripture verse. Perhaps he would minister to you just a picture of his face. Even a personal connection with you now. 
Thank you, Lord. We pray these things in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, one more thing before we uh, look briefly at Acts chapter 4. I now have opportunity to see you all face to face. It's been and it also gives me a chance to thank you for your prayers for me. As uh, some of you know, I fell very ill on a preaching mission in Nigeria in November uh, to the degree where on the flight home I had quite a close call um, and uh, what I later understood to be a, a true brush with death, which by God's choice I survived and made it back to Chicago and had three months of recovery. I had heat stroke and concurrent with that was malaria that moved into kidney stones that ultimately moved into uh, kidney failure and an infection throughout the body. But as I've been able to give testimony to our churches, as I've been able to get out to our churches in the last couple of months since my recovery, I did see the face of the Lord. And I came to believe in him and in the Bible even more than I had before that perilous experience. So I praise the Lord and I even accept that he honored me by bringing me through that trial and by introducing me to that trial to begin with. I, I'm even thankful now. I do not like to do it again. <laughs> I think that would be a balanced and healthy response. I don't want to go there again. It was some real weeks of misery. But I'm very thankful that he was uh, profoundly with me in it, as was the church. Your prayers, um, the prayers of so many. I think we received 70 meals over the course of those weeks that I was sick. <laughs> yeah, yeah as folks look and that's one of the ways they show their love so deeply. So praise be to God. It's wonderful to be here with you all. All right, let's look at Acts 4 together some. This incredibly rich passage. And I had a chance to see the communication piece that is sort of inaugurating and sending you all into as we have this time of upper room, as we wait on the Lord and on the coming of his Holy Spirit, these precious 10 days between Ascension, which is actually on Thursday, which we celebrate, of course, this Sunday, and the coming of the Holy Spirit coming next Sunday. And as we look at this passage, uh, a few things struck me. I want to focus on the verse. You've, you've got it there with you in verse 29 and 30. I've said a little bit about how we got to verses 29 and 30, but just to read them again. And now, Lord, and this is, okay, we're catching them in prayer, by the way. So we're, we're eavesdropping. We're listening in on the prayers of the earliest apostolic band, the, the early apostolic gathering. And we have their prayers recorded, which meant that somebody wasn't just praying, but they were also thinking, I'm going to have to write this down. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Look at verse 29 then. Look upon their threats. What, what, what are we talking about? Okay, so 
what has happened is that Peter and John, in the wake of the resurrection of Jesus, in the wake of the ascension, he's gone to be with the Father and has called upon them to wait in the upper room. The Holy Spirit has come upon them. And right after the coming of the Holy Spirit, they're carrying on with their Jewish lives. They believe in Yeshua. They believe in Jesus. They believe he's Messiah. They have fully given themselves to that. But they're going to temple. They're going to say prayer as a temple. So they're going and they meet a lame beggar and he asks uh, for their aid. They tell him silver and gold we don't have. But in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. And the lame beggar is absolutely and completely healed. Now, they had enacted some healings in their ministry, but primarily it was the Lord Jesus who they had followed and they had observed do this over and over and over again. So clearly something happened for Peter and John where they stepped out in faith and they saw this man stand up and walk. The very same Jewish authorities, now you had Roman and Jewish authorities working together in the crucifixion of our Lord, but the very same Jewish authorities hear of this, this man is brought to them, and we have Annas the high priest, Caiaphas and John Alexander, all who are of the high priestly family, and they bring them together and they say, by what power did you do this? There's no denying that the lame man has been healed. How did you do this? How did this happen? And they take opportunity to speak the word in boldness. They say, Jesus who you know, who you crucified, rose from the dead, and by his power, healing has come to this man. They just lay it out very, very clearly. They, of course, are very threatened by this. So what do you do when you're threatened? You threaten somebody else, right? So they're threatened. So they, so they then threaten these men. You may not speak of this. You may not talk about this. At this point, they'll say what they're going to do, but they've already imprisoned them for this, and it's assumed they will be imprisoned again. Peter and John say, we can't decide what God has told you to do, but we can tell you very clearly, we will not stop speaking of the resurrected Jesus. We can't stop telling people that Jesus, who we know is crucified, who we know is laid in a tomb, who we know the stone was rolled in front of it, who we know that stone was dead again, who we know rose from the dead, and who ministered in our midst and with us. For day upon day upon day after his resurrection, we cannot deny that reality. To deny that reality, this is implied, this isn't said, to deny that reality would be deny our very sanity. To ask us to somehow deny the fact that Jesus rose from the dead would be to ask us to deny what we know to be as true as me seeing Father Eric right there. If I say he's not there right now, and he is there, then you would probably deem me imbalanced. Perhaps truly insane. So how could they say this isn't true? Their very sanity, their very personhood, the very integrity of what they knew to be real and actual hung in the balance in that moment. And they said, oh, he rose from the dead. We know this to be true. We can't stop telling people about it. So they threaten them. But they also, at this point, let them go. It will not always play out that way. For the apostles, right? Every one of them will eventually be martyred for the faith with the exception of the apostle John. But here, early on, they let them go. They immediately go to their community. They go in an evening like this. They gather with those that they love, with those that they know, who also believe that Jesus rose from the dead and had given their lives to this. And this is what's so interesting. To them. And when they heard it, 
they gathered together and figured out how they would take force against the Now, when they heard it, they complained about those rotten chief priests and the way they were always seeking to subvert what was true about Jesus. No. No. They gathered a social media campaign and all decided that somehow if they posted enough on different social media outlets, they would somehow overcome popular opinion about the chief priests. No. No, 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 right? You, are, you all know this, no. You know I'm being rhetorical. They lifted their voices together to God. That's what they did. They lifted their voices together to God. And now, look upon their threats. They eventually prayed in verse 29. So how do we respond when we receive threatening responses, threatening reactions, often indirect responses in our Midwestern culture to the reality of our faith? How do we respond? We need to look at this story, and we have to do this. Okay, so I have an old house. So throughout our old house, we still have many outlets that only have two prongs. You can't use a three prong in many of our outlets. All right, so what we have to do is put a little converter on the end of a three prong if we want to use a three prong to put it into our old house outlets so the two-part converter. You have to do this with the Bible all the time. Okay, part of becoming a strong Bible reader is you have to know how to put a converter so you can understand what's happening. For many of us, we've never experienced threats from the Sanhedrin. We've never experienced threats from the high priestly caste. As a matter of fact, I'm going to bet that among tonight, none of us have ever been threatened by a high priestly caste. I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> All right? Right. So if you go, oh, wow, well, I mean, I really can't relate to this. I've never been threatened by a high priestly caste. You're going to have a hard time reading your Bible. So you got to put your converter on the end of this, okay, and go, okay, yes, but when have I been threatened because of my belief in the power of the Holy Spirit? When have I been threatened in my life because of my belief that I'm called to give my money away in ridiculous kingdom ways? When have I been threatened in my life because I so believe in the authority of Scripture that the relationships in my life have actually been profoundly affected because of my belief in the authority of Scripture? It may be if we could put the converter on and do some imaginative, careful work on what's happening here, we may find that we too have been threatened interpersonally, with lack of social ease, financial pressure, because of our faith in the resurrection of Jesus. And what I want to give to you tonight as you prepare to go into a week of prayer, different house groups and praying throughout this week and waiting on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, what I want to say is that threats, because of our faith, can become catalysts for prayer. Experiencing threatened realities because of our faith, threatened social experiences, threatened financial realities, threatened health realities, which was my experience. I, my health crisis occurred because of my faith in the Lord and my call to preach in Nigeria. When we experience threats to our reality because of our faith in the risen Jesus, it can become a catalyst for prayer. How? Well, it's quite simple. We become desperate for God. We realize in a very concrete way, in that concrete moment, how much we need the Lord. Let us not think that Peter and John were not in some way, of course, sobered by the reality 
of their leaders. They're Jewish men. These are their Jewish leaders. But they were not in some ways sobered by this reality. Indeed, it came from inside. Which can be the most, most surprising to us when a threat becomes because of our faith. But so often, still, within our context, often we may feel threatened because of our faith by those who share our faith. Because we're stepping out in a particular risk-oriented way. We're believing in the power of the Holy Spirit in a particular way. We're believing in the authority of scriptures and the way that they guide our relationships and determine how we live our life in a particular way. And when you have felt that threat, and maybe you can just even now get in touch with the way perhaps you have felt that threat or experienced that threat, rather than seeking to deny the threat or try to fix the threat, let's imitate who took the threat they allowed it to be as real as it was. And it drove them to prayer. It drove them to the Lord. They let their anxieties be known to the Lord, as Philippians 4 says. So as we go into prayer this week, rather than trying to think, okay, I've got to have my, you know, my room perfect before I can pray, so to speak. I've got to have everything in order in my life before I go to prayer tomorrow night so that I can really pray perfectly. I would say, well, what's bothering you right now? What feels threatening to you right now? What are ways that you have paid the cost because of your strong belief in Jesus? Where are you feeling the pinch? I'd actually say identify that. Feel that pinch. Feel that sense of lack. Feel that sense of, ha, ha, ha. Feel that sense of panic at times that can come. And let that become very real and say, Lord, this is what I have. This is the need that I have. And let that become fuel for prayer. Let that drive you to prayer. The very thing that so often we would love to deny or we would love to fix or we just would hope would evaporate is actually the very thing God wants to use in our lives to take us to him in great need and hunger. Now this is interesting. One more part to this though. They then, have a, they then had a decision to make. When we are threatened, will we protect or will we son proclaim? Of course it could have self-protected. Because, okay, whoa, 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 Peter gathers everybody. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. this is getting crazy. Um, look, they're still really upset about Jesus. It's, it, it hasn't hardly been but 55 days perhaps at that point. Since, since, since Jesus was crucified. So let's just settle this thing down. Let's take a year. Let's go underground. Let's gather our forces. Let's get organized, right? Um, let's create dues. We need some revenue here, right? And let's wait on this whole thing. It, very plausible that they might have gone that direction. And let's just kind of protect our little thing we've got here. Instead, what do they do? They said, let's, let's go speak the word more boldly. It, 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 it's like some form of crazy exposure. It's like, we're terrified. Let's just be more terrified. We're already threatened. Well, let's just run into that threat. Are we going to self-protect? Are we going to son proclaim? Are we going to proclaim the reality of the Son of God? How could they even begin to do that? There's only one reason they could begin to do that. They believed that Jesus rose from the dead. They weren't organizing. They weren't collecting dues from members. They were so overcome by the reality of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. It was so real to them that to deny it would have been to step into insanity. But because that was the case, it was so real for them, they then said, okay, 
This is so real. We must proclaim the word boldly. Luke mentions it here, and Luke mentions it at the end as well, where they continue to speak the word of God with boldness there in verse 29. To speak the word of God with boldness is simply to be able to live into the power and the truth and your belief in the resurrection. I don't want you to go out and speak the word of boldness with pure boldness. I want you to go out with belief in the resurrection. You speak boldness by belief, not by boldness. Boldness doesn't beget boldness. Belief in the, in, in the power of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus begets boldness. The more I've come to believe in Jesus, the more free I am to share him boldly and freely. I've watched in the last year that my freedom to share about Jesus has increased significantly. And I haven't gone to a seminar, although those aren't bad. And I haven't said, by gum, today I'm going to be more bold. I'm going to be more bold today. I, I just have come to believe in his power and his resurrection all the, more, all the more. So I'm out for a run three days ago. And I'm running on a prairie path. It's a nature path in, my, in the area. And it's not uncommon when I'm out for runs that I get to run by teenagers that are smoking dope. It just seems to happen to me. So I'm running by and they're smoking dope. And that's why I by myself, actually, in this case. So I run by him. And, um, and I, I pick up on the, uh, about five feet past him. I'm like, huh, that kid's getting high. Um, and so I'm running back, and lo and behold, he's still there. And I, don't, I don't, didn't have to kind of work it out in my head. I just stopped, and he had his headphones in. And so I stopped, and I just went like this. You know, and I could, he didn't want to take his headphones out because he obviously was feeling guilty. But I took his headphones out, and I just found myself saying... I didn't think about it ahead of time. I found myself saying, oh, Jesus has so much more for you than smoking dope. <laughs> this is the face he made. And I was like, look, I, I know, I know. I get it. You're thinking, what is this old white guy doing talking to me right now? I, I could imagine that. Don't even think about the old white guy in front of you right now. I said, um... I just, and then immediately I had a word of knowledge. This, this kid's known Jesus. I could just tell. He's known Jesus. You've known Jesus. And your parents know Jesus. D don't do this. D don't live your life this way. Jesus has so much more for you. Went on my run and he put his headphones back in. But I did that simply because I, I really believe what I said to him. I, I believe Jesus has so much more for him. And I, I believe he loves him so much. I wasn't worked up about it. I didn't get anxious about needing to do it. I, I couldn't have not done it. You know what I mean? It just happened. So let's let whatever threats come into our life or whatever anxieties in our life because we have believed in Jesus even ask Lord to help us identify what that might be in our lives even tonight ways we've paid the cost for our belief in the Bible and Jesus let's let's get in touch with that and then let's let that as it comes to our hearts fuel our heart for prayer and as we do so let's pray that in light of that threat we won't become self-protected but we'll be proclaimers not because boldness begets boldness but because belief in the resurrection of Jesus begets boldness.
Let's pray. Let's just spend a little bit of time in prayer. Father, I can pray with me. Thank you, Lord. I just pray, uh, either I did explain it well, or for some folks it's just hard to connect with it. I just pray that for anyone that you want to connect them to a way in which actually they didn't realize they paid a cost for their, for their faith because of their faith, but they did. That financial pressure in the home that might seemingly be eased if they didn't give so much to your church and to the gospel that relationship that was lost or significantly altered because they deeply believed in the truth of Jesus. That commitment to live kingdom counter-culturally that's created social unease where there was once social ease. Loneliness that's being experienced even now because of relational decisions that were made for the sake of the gospel. Come Holy Spirit. Would you just surface that so that it would increase our hunger for you and concretize what we know to be true in our heads but that we could actually have it in our souls that we only have you and that our first response to any threat, like the apostolic band, is to lift our voices in prayer and to actually ask that you would make us bolder Christians, bolder believers in the resurrection of Jesus. Come Holy Spirit, come through this space. Lay your hands on us, Jesus, we pray. Reveal your face to us, Lord Jesus, we pray. Spirit of God, come. Lord, I pray for those who have been like to a brother or to a a family member the the righteous man that brings a hard word but mm. it's not received well mm. and maybe they've lost some connection there mm. and because the word was spoken in love and it was a true word the hope was that it would be received and that it would bear fruit and instead it doesn't seem like it has yet Lord, I think that's the very thing that you're asking us to bring to you tonight. Mm. Those words that have been spoken that have cost us in the, the most important relationships, mm. the ones where we've actually been really attached. Amen. And we've said, no, Lord, we want to be attached first of all and above all to you. And so we have to stay true to you and we want to say this word of truth to this, this loved one, but they don't want it yet. And Lord, we just yield that to you. And I pray for my brothers or sisters who have lived that reality. 
I pray, Lord, that they would be able to just entrust this heart longing to you, even like with an exhalation of breath. Mm. They would just let it rise to you like a prayer that seeks you to be filled with your spirit. Hallelujah. That seeks you to be filled with your spirit who actually can go and mend that relationship from on high with power beyond anything we can ask or imagine. So Lord, let these places of pain and longing for reconciliation, for words to be heard to bear fruit, mm. let them rise tonight in prayers mm. of tremendous re release and trust in you mm. and the power of your spirit mm. to return people to life from death, to make bones, to stand up and rise in praise and jump and dance in praise that can bring prodigals home. Lord, we thank you mm. that you love to make homes whole. Amen. And that for the deepest places of our heart where there is these places of loss, you bring the communion of your presence. Mm. We thank you, Jesus. I pray for any of you that I still have some level of belief that uh, boldness will only beget more boldness. And it's been such a weight on your back that has kept you from speaking. It's actually been more like a, a gag around your mouth. Hmm. And you keep thinking, I have to work myself up. I've got to get bolder. And you just feel more ashamed because you don't get bolder. Hmm. Just ask the Lord as if he might come from behind you and untie that gag around your mouth. And then he would just turn you to look at him. The beauty of the Lord begets boldness. Belief in his resurrection, that begets boldness. Mm. So even tonight, just let go of an old concept of how you might be bold about sharing the word of God. Just let go of it. Let it fall, let it drop. And the shame that's attendant to it. Mm -hmm. Just ask the Lord for deeper belief in the resurrection. Ask the Lord mm -hmm. for the beauty of his face to be known to you. Mm -hmm. And then ask him that you may be bold from that out of that even in this week mm. give us boldness opportunities that come from belief in you thank you lord mm. i just have a sense too that the lord is stirring in some of you who have been maybe almost wilted by the um the things that have come against you or perhaps wilted by the force and the power of your own um, like appetites for things that you know aren't good and yet you can't help but go there and that makes your spirit to wilt within you as you feel like it's an impossible battle. And I just want to encourage you tonight because I, I do have a sense that the Lord is actually just breathing some small prayers into you tonight. Some little prayers that will start small but they are, once you see them like a mustard seed that grows into the greatest tree of all, and just to let him, by his spirit, cause us to grow, and as we sing tonight, to just let the prayers that are in these songs help you 
to breathe these prayers to even more life in the power of the Spirit. So just let the stirring, the small voice that you're beginning to hear, let it rise up in you. Mm. Let it rise up through the wilting despair that you have. Let it rise up through the despair that you could return yourself. Let, it, let these little prayers of longing that the Lord is now sparking in you, mm. let them fly up. And let these songs that I believe the Lord has inspired as Leaf has prepared the, the worship time, let them help you mm. to be lifted up to the Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.